0: Wow! I'm late for my own party. Good morning to those who are here, and uh, good whatever to you that are out there. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We're we're continuing our series called Reconnect. Today we're in our our last uh, message in that, and today is Reconnect Disposable. When we reconnect in our relationships with God, with our family, uh, in our marriages, and and throughout all of our relationships. What should we dispose of? That's really what the topic is today. But a warning up front. The message today is for a select few. This is one of those times when we say, this is for that small group of people who want to follow Christ. This picture that we talk about uh, so often is a trail up in the mountains near Syracuse College. It, It talks about a narrow path. And for those of you who have hiked the The mountains up there, you know that the paths are narrow. And they're actually hard, hard paths uh, to get up as they continue to go over the hills. But this verse tells us that we can only enter God's kingdom through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide, and many choose it. But the gateway to life is like this path. It's narrow, and it's difficult, and only a few can find it. And we're warned on this path that beware of people along that path false prophets they disguise themselves as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves uh, the the false prophets point to a wide easy path that we can all follow when when jesus was was laying out his basics of his kingdom in matthew 7 he says the way is is narrow and it says, few are those that are going to find it. So today we're, we're talking about this narrow, narrow path that we're on. And so as we do that, I want to I talk about the se- second verse. Because it, this narrow path is foolishness to the world. We're going to advocate practices, ideas, and commitments today that are really crazy in the world's eyes. Psychologists will roll their eyes. Sociologists will say it'll never work uh political pundits will will say, no, that's not the path. Let's let's try this path. The message of the cross, the message of, of personal sacrifice, the message of laying our lives down, the really the message of crucifying ourself, it's just foolishness in the eyes of the world. The world says to exalt yourself. To to. To make yourself the center of everything that's going on. Let everything rotate around ourselves as we go forward. So we're talking about disposable. What do we get rid of? And we're really going to use one real simple verse. And this verse is the model for every follower of Christ. This is how we grow. This is how we mature. I've taken this verse and and spread it uh, over this graphic that we're using of a ladder. spiritual growth and it starts with some assumptions and each one of these statements is a statement that we're going to go into the next section with but the first assumption that's set there is is something that they assume uh, Christ Christ followers that that we have heard about Christ that we were taught in him and as the truth is in Jesus we we're Christians we understand the real Jesus the biblical Jesus The Jesus that that lived and healed people and rose from the dead and now rules and reigns. We know about him. And so that being the first step of growth is to know Jesus. And if we want to grow, the second thing is, again, back to the take off the old self. Get rid of selfishness. Get rid of self-focus. Get rid of the uh, self-promotion. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires. That old old junk, and probably most of us that walk with Christ now can look back at stuff. That's got to go. And then the next thing is to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We need to think differently as Christians. If we want to grow spiritually, relationally, emotionally, mentally, if we want to do that, we have to change the way we think. We have to have another worldview is the expression. And then once we're thinking right, put on, the final step, put on the new life. Is created in the likeness of God in true righteousness, and, and don't miss the next word, is holiness. So much of the world today, when asked on the street, what is, what's God's role and purpose? And they'll say to make me happy. That's not his goal. His goal is to make us holy. But then by being holy, we find a depth of happiness that, that cannot be tr- changed or uh, taken away from us. So disposable, the things we want to get rid of, Holy, the things that we want to put on inside of our life. That's really the, the goal, personal holiness. So if you're here and uh, you're desiring that, you're desiring spiritual growth and to be more like Christ, well, today's for us. It, it's every Christian. It's really my hope, and it really should be your hope for me. It's my hope for you. That each day we look a little bit more like Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said, I have to decrease so that Christ can increase. We have to take off ourselves so he can live through us. This is a conscious, a conscious effort. If we don't make that effort, if we don't take these steps, the world will continue to rule and reign and, and just actually come over us, and we'll be going in the wrong direction. So these are the steps that we're going to be taking to, to grow. But as we do that, it's a personal commitment. Uh, you can't help me grow by just coming and saying, Bill, grow up. Now, some of you would like to probably do that from time to time, but that isn't going to change anything. I can't do it for you. It's, it's an individual, personal choice that we make in the presence of the living God. So as we do that, let's, let's go into his presence. Would you join me in prayer? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we, we, we bow our hearts, we bow our minds, we bow our spirit. Everything that's in us, Lord, we lay it before you. We, we, we ask that show us the junk in our life change the way we think, remove our denial, our justification, blame shifting other people for our failures. By the power of your spirit, transform us into the image of Christ. We ask that in his name, amen. Okay, so here we go, spiritual growth, first step. Let's go back through that verse that is there. And and this is an assumption that we make at the beginning, assuming, in red, uh, that we've heard about him and we're taught him as the truth is in Christ. Now, when, when I grew up, I am old. There's no surprise there. But I grew up in a different world than most people are growing up in today. In the world that I grew up in, uh, Christmas dramas were still put on. The Christmas story was tell told. Uh, Bibles were still in uh, schools. God was spoken of as a matter of fact the uh, many of the biblical foundations of our country were still taught until the 60s 1960 Uh, they were taught as bible lessons for hundreds of years in our schools and and those were all taken out and disappeared because one lady made an appeal for her son to the supreme court Uh, later her son became a christian which is interesting but but the assumption that we've heard about christ is not an assumption because we've heard about christ but have we heard about the real christ the, the real Christ, the Son of God, who walked on this earth, who who loved us, who laid his life down. You know, today we have false prophets and teachers uh, that that tell us to seek high self-esteem, to to seek ourselves, uh, that Christ is just there to help us as we go along. We're in the age of social freedom where we, our freedom is our highest value, that, that no one can tell us what to do. Uh, When 90% of the people on the street will say, you ask them, when you die, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to heaven, of course. Well, why? Well, because God loves me, and and because he loves me, he would never send anyone to hell. And that's true. That's good theology. God will not send us. Jesus will not send us. We will choose to reject the narrow way and choose the wide way. So our, our journey starts with knowing the truth. And and the truth is is tough in 2020 because, again, it's countercultural. You're not going to hear this uh, from many sources uh, around our country today. The truth is we're sinners. You know, we we try and pump up our self-image, but we're sinners. The the Bible's clear. For all have sinned, past tense, completed, but all are sinning and falling short is the way this verse goes uh, that we're looking at. All have sinned. And, and we're continuing to sin as we go forward, and uh, all fall short of god's glory, but it gets worse because when we're born we're born a fallen man or woman by our nature we're separated from god we're, our spirits are dead because of sin. Uh, Adam and Eve have passed on the curse to us uh, we're we're dead in our sins and our trespasses, separated from a holy God who who cannot be in close unity relationship with sinners. So we're, we're dead in those cases. We walk according to the course of this world. Now this is where it gets scary. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. It doesn't take much. The spirit that's working in the sons of disobedience. Uh, we all live according to the flesh. This is this is the prince of the power of the air this is satan who's who seems to be obviously ruling in so much of our country today in the chaos that we live in we all follow him we're separated from god we have his nature inside of us and so of course we do what he says you know the the truth needs to be owned right away we're sinners and why is that important so we know we need a savior if we think we're good, we don't need a Savior. We're we're our own Savior by our choices and and the things that we do inside of our lives. So this, this verse, by nature, we're children of wrath like the rest of mankind. If it stopped there, we would be in deep weeds. But the next verse picks up from this point that we're dead in our sins and our trespasses like the rest of them the next verse says those two words uh, that that dion talked about a couple of weeks ago but god in this condition but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses god makes us alive with christ by works no but by grace that we become saved it's by grace this gift given to us those words but god changes everything because of those two words but god if they weren't there we'd have no hope for this life we'd have no hope for the next life for sure we'd have would have no hope to be able to uh grow to mature without that taking place this is the promise of god to us inside of our lives now how does he do that how does How does God take sinners like you and me and everyone who's honest and transform them into spiritual beings that are holy, people that are holy and seeking holiness? How does that happen? Well, he finishes the verse out. He says, we've all sinned and fallen short of God, but we're justified. Now, justified is is a biblical term that means you can translate it almost just as if we've never sinned. So we are we are justified, made as if we've never sinned, by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How can that happen? How can our sins go away? Because God put Jesus Christ forward as a propitiation by His blood. Propitiation. There's a word. Uh, probably. It, not pronouncing it right propitiation but what it means is that god provided a sacrifice for our sins jesus christ stands between me a sinner and you a sinner and the righteous correct judgment of god so jesus becomes a propitiation that takes our sins upon him and he pays for them. he pays for them they're not floating in the air they're not put off they're not pardoned none of that they're actually specifically individually paid for by jesus christ on the cross and and he does this he passed over former sins; it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that god might be just and justifier of those who have faith in jesus who might be just god judges all sin you know, we have people marching in the streets today demanding justice. And in some areas uh, we we need to work. But here's the deal: there will be justice. Every sin will be judged, every sin will be paid for. We can choose to pay for that sin personally or to be paid for by Jesus Christ. That's our choice. So just and justifier. So he can be just. But he can justify us at the same time, just as if we've never sinned. How does he do that? Well, he does it as a gift by faith. We can't work. We can't earn it. As a matter of fact, there's 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 two paths that the world is divided on: one narrow, one wide, and and they're really described here. Uh, the first one is we're saved by grace through faith because we believe in Christ and him, him being our propitiation, try that word five times in a row, propitiation by faith. It's not our doing, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works. So when we get to heaven, there won't be any boasting. Uh, You you won't have to listen for endless eternity, other people telling you how wonderful they were. Uh, you You won't have to put up with me telling that, because it's not about me it's about what christ does it's what christ does in you this is a, a, an ultimate gift that's given to us through christ we will spend all eternity bragging about christ now the other side all the other religions of the world offer a works program in other words this is what you have to do to be right in god's eyes and to earn heaven to be justified you have to work now for the one who works his wages are not counted as a gift it's not a gift like up above the one who, who, who does not work but believes is justified uh, and is, it's counted know his faith, counts it as righteousness. But look, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but they're due. Every other religion of the world, I don't care which title that you put over to the thousands of religions, somehow they end up, they do enough works or they think right thoughts, somewhere in their life, when they get to heaven, they come up to the gate and they knock boldly saying, hey, Open up, God, you owe me heaven and eternity. Can you imagine? Uh, Now, I love my kids, but they never would have come up to me when chocolate chip cookies were coming out of the oven and demand to have a chocolate chip cookie because they earned it. Those are my cookies. I'm going to eat those cookies. They asked nicely, we'll negotiate but they actually they didn't have to worry about that because i justified making them so i could give them to them and i can have the majority of them so they knew they were going to get them and this is with christ too and let's leave that story out i can't believe i said it Uh, okay so biblical christianity very important it's for sinners it's for those who have failed and have fallen short jesus was asked specifically why do you hang out with sinners Why do you hang out with those people who are far from God, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time who were working their way to heaven? Jesus made it clear. He says, I I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is God. And for I came to call, not to call the righteous, but sinners. He came to save me. And and if you stand in that category where you see yourself as a sinner, Christ came for you. If you don't see yourself there, then, then, then all of this is gone. If we say we have no sin, uh, the truth isn't in us. But look at this great promise: if we confess our sins, if we own our sins, if we if we take responsibility for them, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, as much of the world does today, the Maslow followers, the high self-esteem, these people, you know what they're saying is, God, you're a liar. Your word's a lie, and no one should follow it. That's really the bottom line of what they're telling us. We're forgiven by admitting, you know. But, but the promise sits there. Wow, what a gift! So the, the conditions. Now here's where it gets. It's a gift, but there's conditions to the gift. So often when a will is read, there's conditions to that. There's conditions that being passed on. So. So God did something when he offered us forgiveness and grace in Jesus Christ. What he did says there's, there's a condition. That condition is you have to get rid of the old life, disposable. We, we have to be crucified with Christ. Our old life is now disposable. It's put on the, the pile of things to be taken away. We put off our old self, which belongs to our former manner of life. We, we lay that aside, all our old self, renewed in the spirit. But here it is, that's the next step. We take off our old self. What does that look like to take off our old self? Well, Jesus used as graphic a word as could be used 2,000 years ago. He said you have to be crucified. Every disciple then and every disciple today should know exactly what crucifixion was. It was the taking and the nailing of a human being to a cross. And he died there. Tortured, painful death. We're to take our old life out and crucify it. It's disposable. We get rid of it. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Once we die, then Christ can live in us. This is what we want. But notice the order in the sequence it's not going to be a duplex for a period of time it's a single family residence we have one spirit we have the spirit of the world or we have god's spirit we have ourselves or we have christ the life we will live will live by faith in the son of god who loved us and gave himself up jesus again the same thing get it deny himself take up his cross again pointing toward the death of self the old self it has to die. We can't hang on to it. We can't drag any of it through. It's got to be complete, and it's got to be done as we go forward. It has to be disposable. Now, as, as we look at that being disposable, what's, what are the steps that take place out of that? Uh, what's the process? Uh, does it ever end? No, it doesn't. I'm still growing. My wife, Ronnie, really hopes that I'm growing. And uh, my kids hope. You should be hoping that I'm going to grow and mature, just as I hope that each person that hears this is going to grow, is going to mature, put off those attitudes and things that take place. And God promises that he's not done with us. He who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. At the day of Christ Jesus. uh, Someone asked a question last night at the Saturday night service. About, well, they're still sinners and they're going to get to heaven. Is that going to be there? No. When when Christ comes on the day of completion, we're transformed. The sin nature's gone. We walk in the newness of life uh, that's there. So God will not stop. But the question for today, and, and I think the takeaway really is how do we grow? Is it an easy, simple process? Is it does God flip a switch? No. It's hard, narrow. you find it it's actually in many cases painful to rip off the old self to lay aside the old behaviors to help us understand that we're going to watch a video it it it, it's long but it, it portrays the point better than i can ever say it about how god helps us grow so as we do this enter in if you will to the conversation that one of god's followers has with the living god
1: Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, His masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) but I want to be His masterpiece. I want to be everything He created me to be. And so I go to Him in prayer, and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of Your Son, Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
2: Hi. Whoa, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. (laughs) Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky.
1: Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh okay okay um if you're god what does lamentations 15 9 say
2: lamentations is only five chapters it's a very short book oh why was it so short i was tired of lamenting
1: oh okay okay if you're god who's gonna win the world series
2: this year i'm really not into playing games why are you so much into playing games you are god well gave it away
1: you answered my question with a question
2: i did (laughs) yeah i do that don't i i did it again (laughs) step right up here we go okay all right Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, OK, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. OK. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. OK.
1: Oh, hey on. Mm-hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave?
2: Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk.
1: is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.
0: I love that. There's so much truth packed into that. Um, that, that God does love us enough to change, to form, to to continue to work in our lives until we have the image of Christ. He does it by grace. Now, I want to I, I want to end up with that last statement that he made in there: that God doesn't make junk. Uh, this this verse is we've talked about: from grace you've been saved through faith. This is how we're fa- saved. Uh, but look. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. The word workmanship is poema, it's a poem, it's a a masterpiece, it's a work of art. You and I, in Christ, are masterpieces that created in Christ Jesus for good works. He prepared us to do the works that he's prepared for us to do. It's really a simple process, and he can do that because he's God. He does his part. We're, we're, we're God's masterpiece. Now, again, the qualifications are always clear. You always see in Christ Jesus. Go back to the first. Assuming that we know Christ. Assuming that we've been crucified with Christ. And there we are. But, but in that also, the, the important thing is to, is to know that God is going to continue to correct, to direct, to transform us. He disciplines us like a father his children. And uh, it was mentioned in the video so many times, and he does it so often through what we least expect and what we try and avoid the most, pain. It it is often pain that he disciplines us with. He disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. He chips off the disposable. All discipline for the moment. It seems painful rather than pleasant. But as we allow God to change us, to take away our old life, it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. C.S. Lewis points out the importance and the power of pain. He says you can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It's a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, it's our pain that gets our attention when we have relational pain, God's saying there's something there. When we have even financial pain, there's something there. When we have trouble and pain at work, there's something there. When we have family pain, all of these different things, there's pain. And physical pain, sometimes gets self-inflicted. God, God will continue to chip on us in each of these areas and point us back to himself that we can be changed. Pain is, is part of God's growth process. So we, we've started, we know Christ. We've laid aside the old self. We come now to the, the next step is being renewed in the spirit of our mind. We have to look at the world differently as a Christ follower. We have to have a Christian worldview. It says, uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We have to see our, our sin differently. We have to see our life differently. We have to see God totally differently uh, as we continue to grow in that. We're told in, in in Romans is don't don't be conformed to the world. And this is a verse we use all, don't be conformed to the world. Don't look at the world the way that the talking heads look at the world. Don't look at the world the way humanists look at the world. Don't look at the world the way politicians look at the world. But we need to be transformed by changing our mind, renewing, making it new, getting rid of the old, and that we can discern what God's will is. How what are God's thoughts? And what's the will for us? And Each person that follows him, it's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. As we come to see the truth of God, we know that his will is good for us. And he shows us that, obviously, in the scripture. The the Bible is Jesus Christ revealed from beginning to end. It's the the wisdom, the knowledge, the truth of God. Uh, It's breathed by God for teaching, for reproof, for correction, to train us in righteousness, that here it is, that we might be complete. Equipped for every good work, and and how do we connect with that? It's like newborn babes. We have to connect with the Word. We, this is this is God's provision. He flows through it each day into our lives. You know, uh, for me, it's become an addiction. Best way to say it, I'm addicted to reading God's Word, to learning, to studying, to meditate on it. Uh, many people here do the same thing a follower of Christ will do that the daily study guide all the materials that are provided you know if if you're not doing it you've bought into one of the biggest lies the devil tells it's not necessary oh it's absolutely necessary it's a daily feeding uh, God delivered manna daily in the wilderness it was for that day and and in each day God gives us the word And and again here's Something that uh, the Bible is that we don't often think of, it's a source of pain. Because it chisels on us. It corrects us. In reading the Bible, sometimes working a problem or a situation in life, it'll, something in the Bible will come alive. Because God's Word, the Bible, it's living and active. And here it is, the sharper than any two-edged sword or chisel. Cursing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. You know, our flesh and and God's spirit that's in there. It'll divide. It'll show us where we're wrong. It'll it'll correct us as needing. It'll cut to the morrow. Uh, There's no creature hidden from his sight. As we open God's word, we're all naked and exposed to the eyes with whom we have to give account. He, He uses the word to chisel, to change. And this is this is a huge deal because we have an unlimited capacity for self-deception. We have the ability to lie to ourselves. Uh, verse will tell us as we look at our lives, every man's way is right in his own eyes. But the sword of the spirit will, there it is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs our heart. One of the most challenging and truthful verses that's that's easily rejected listen this is the heart of man without christ the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick who can understand it in other words i look at myself when i i see things i don't like this who understands this kind of stuff inside of ourselves that takes place who can understand it but i the lord i search the heart i test the mind mind to give to everyone according to his ways God looks inside, and this way he can lead us, correct us, train us, uh, and move us in the right direction. So this is renewing our mind. The last step is is the fun one, obviously. Put on the new self. We've we made a commitment to Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. We understand that. We go forward. We, we're getting rid of the old. We're, we have to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God. Truly righteousness and holiness. We're not seeking to be okay. You know, uh, kids growing up, we don't want them to be okay and make that their goal, just getting by, Dad. Do your best. You don't have to be the hero of the class. Do your best. And that's what God's telling us. Do our best. You know, um, and and, and here's how we do that. We, We get rid of self. We get rid of self. We've already crucified self. Get, do nothing from selfish ambition or, you know, conceit, humility. Treat others better than yourself. Don't look out for interest. Get rid of self. Have the mind among yourselves, which was in Christ. Have his mind and, 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 and seek the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. But I want to tell you what, in me, and I believe each person. Here's what stands between us and growth. Me. What stands between you and growth? Well, that would be you. It's self. It's the self-life. I, I, there's, a, there's a list of put-offs and put-on. I'm reading a book, a uh, guy named Tozer, and he talks about this self-life that's in there. Uh, take off self-love. Put on love, God, and our neighbor. Judging others, accepting others, trusting our wisdom and our... Trusting and acknowledging God in his ways, controlling our mates submitting to our mates loving our mates parenting uh with worldly wisdom raise our kids in god's way you know i just reviewed our series you may not know it but the first six messages were just talked about we take off self-love give god's love love with all our heart don't judge others accept them each one of those things is there but from ephesians 4 on god puts take-offs and put-ons he says stop lying Tell the truth. Stop hanging on to anger. Resolve issues before the sun goes down or or you will give the devil an opportunity. Stop stealing. This is one of the classic uh, counseling verses, replacement therapy. When you stop stealing, if you just stop stealing, you're an unemployed thief. It says what you should do is you should stop stealing. Then you should go get a job, earn money and give to other people. Now Now you've turned it around. Rotten words, junk words, only wholesome, encouraging words, bitterness and anger replace it to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us. These are replacements of self. It's the self that sits in there and lurks inside of us. You know, we live in a culture that builds up self. Christ says, crucify self. Let Christ rule and reign in each of those places. You know, that's our lesson for growth for those who want to grow. It's a hard, narrow path that we walk in. It takes commitment. It takes effort. Everything in the world will encourage us to stop. Matter of fact, everything in the world will say this hard, narrow path of sacrificing our, ourselves for others and for Christ, it's foolishness. Hang on to yourself, your self-actualization, your self-worth, your self-image. Hang on to self. No. No. We have to crucify ourselves. We have to lay ourselves down in each and everything. The, the verse is very simple again, just to, to review what we talked about. Assuming that we've heard about Christ. We were taught in him truth that is in Jesus. We understand the truth. We put off our old self. We crucify our life. We, we take up our cross and follow him. Crucify all that belongs to our former manner of life, the corruption, the deceit, all that. Change the way we think by renewing our mind in his word. You know, if if we can help you in Bible studies, we have small groups, we have all sorts of stuff. We've got the daily study guide. All that's available. Be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Put on a new self, created in the likeness of God. Seek holiness. Holiness, pure perfect without fault or flaw huge deal now now i have to do this this is a biblical christian seeking to do that so i encourage if if this isn't you go back to step one the bible says to examine ourselves to make sure we're of the faith examine ourselves to make sure that we have that first step that we understand jesus christ and we've taken the second step and we've laid our lives down for him. Then the spirit is loosed in our life. let join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that you have set this path in front of us and that you have created masterpieces in Christ Jesus. And yes, you will continue to perfect your masterpiece. You will continue to make us more like Christ each day as you remove our old life and put on a new life. Thank you for your great love, your great power. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.
3: Yes. Hello, hi everybody. Good morning, thanks for joining us today. It's so good to see all of you as always. Um, And actually we are live streaming right now this morning, so good morning to our online family who's joining us. Um, As we close today, and thank you, the great message is always very challenging. Um, I think in the video, one of the, the key things that he says that really gets me is that we, we are, we never stay in the same place in our relationship with God. We're either moving forward or backward. And I think that's kind of a powerful, powerful little, uh, moment there. So, um, as we close today, uh, couple things. We're going to finish with announcements, um, like we typically do, but we kind of have a special treat for you this morning. Um, Unfortunately, we had a few little technical difficulties last night. Uh, Saturday night is traditionally the night that we open the floor for questions. We have our text phone available. Anytime anybody wants to text in a question, even throughout the week, just text the number here on the screen, 301-4840, and we will answer it during Saturday night. But we had some great questions last night, and uh, we didn't want you guys to miss it. We didn't want... Um, our online family to miss it. So we're going to go ahead and answer those questions again.
0: Oh, wow. Good. How fun is that? (laughs) Uh, These guys aren't going to get, no, you're going to let them ask too, right?
3: Well, if we have time, yes. Okay. That might be fun. Okay. We'll see how that goes. Um, So we're going to do the questions first. So actually, um, let's see, on our text phone, somebody texted in last night. Um, And this is regarding the message that you guys just heard. And this is normally how we do this. So um, the question that was texted says, Jesus died once for all of our sins. You say we still sin. Can a Christian have a sinless day? Is it possible?
0: If you don't get out of bed. But of course, getting out of, not getting out of bed would be slothful. Would be sin. So you will have sinned for, for right? staying in bed all right? day. Uh, I've never had one, and I, I don't know if I know of anyone that has. But again... We're, we're works in progress, and, and the promise is that he looks at our heart, not what we do. So can we have a sinless day in our heart? Absolutely. He, we can be sinless in our heart by choosing to follow Christ willfully in each area of our life. Uh, even when we fail, if our heart is right, hmm. we're sinless, Okay, of course, obviously in that way.
3: Okay. Um, very good. And let's see, we had one other question. Um, now last night, uh, there was a comment made about replacing addictions with something new. It goes along the lines of this last slide of replacement therapy, right? so to speak. Um, so if a person were, <laughs> if a person were struggling with addiction and they want to replace it with something new, what would be an example of how you replace it? What would you replace it with?
0: God will provide that. For me, I replaced the addiction to alcohol and uh, the going out to happy hour and all the other stuff with Bible studies. I just didn't have time to go out and and hang out other places because my replacement therapy was God's work in the church in, in that particular area. When it came to smoking, there was other things that I replaced it with. But again, I said this last night. One of the most powerful tools that we have is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Mm. So when we have a temptation or we want to replace something, find Bible verses. If if you're dealing with anger, look up anger in the back and write out verses that not just memorize any verse, what speaks to you? My favorite anger verse is a fool always loses his temper. And if I, if I find myself repeating something, another one of my favorite verses, I go, dog returns to his vomit. Uh, <laughs> so put a verse... In whatever whatever you're trying to, it's if you if you if you find yourself just seething at someone else, uh, Philippians will say, "Put anger, wrath, slander far from you. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another." By the time you get through with that verse, God has done a work in your life. You've replaced renewing. You renewed your mind. So uh, put something yeah. on. There's no voids.
3: Right, right, and I, and I think because the you were talking about the Word of God being the uh, it, it exposes. I yes. mean, you know, so yeah, we read our Bible and and we I'm gonna say we feel guilty. So, like if you're saying anger, it's like the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We feel it kind of is guilt yeah. that we know we've done something wrong, but just maybe having a plan of like the next time I'm tempted to become angry with this person, I will do
0: yeah.
3: instead. So, like, have, being preemptive is helpful. Um, yeah. At least it is for me. I'm an uber planner, no, so. No,
0: that's very good. Yeah, because if they come to the door, just don't open the door. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nobody's no. home.
0: <laughs> Be prayed up when they come in. Right. Be prepared yeah. to respond in love. Yeah,
3: very cool. Okay, thank you.